Hello there, space fans, and welcome to the second episode of Last Week in Space of the year 2020. Chris Gebhardt and I are still at Cape Canaveral. Still. Still. It's really, really hot. The last episode you heard, we were just finishing up the first launch of any kind of the year, which was Starlink number two. Those satellites have been deployed. They're in orbit. And we'll get to it, but we think there's another Starlink coming up soon. But we'll get to that at the end of yes, the there uh, is. Yeah. There, yeah. So anyway, Chris and I just left Kennedy Space Center. We just were hanging out with Boeing Starliner team at their facility. What's the correct designation of the facility? It is called the C3PF, mm. which stands for the Commercial Crew and Cargo Processing Facility. It but, was um, for historical purposes. Mm. It was the former Orbiter Processing Facility Bay 3, mm. which processed all of the space shuttle orbiters except for Challenger because it was built after the Challenger accident. And more specifically, it was Discovery's home after right. the Columbia accident when they had three orbiters and three OPFs, so each one had their own. Right. Now, just for a visual, this building has a really cool mural of Starliner on it. You can see it when you enter the facility, and it is in the shadow most of the day of the vehicle assembly building. It is the building behind the vehicle assembly. Literally in yeah. the shadow, shadow. of yes. the VAB for most of the yes. day, yes. It's hard not to notice when you're parking next to the giant building. Yes. <laughs> so we were brought out there by a colleague of our, Josh, who works for Boeing. He's a comms official, and he was sort of running point during the launch, the OFT launch, the orbital flight test. Chris, you want to just give our listeners a reminder of the outcome of that mission? Yeah, so there were, I guess there really, we should talk about there were two separate outcomes. Yes. Because it is important to note that about 80 to 85% of the test flight objectives were accomplished right. successfully. Starliner launched successfully. It maneuvered in orbit for the largest part of its mission successfully and re-entered, landed in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And the flight test was from the 20th of December to the 22nd. It was supposed to be eight days, but they had a software issue. Right. Very shortly after liftoff and after it separated from the Atlas, we know at the very least that basically when Starliner sort of like reached down into the Atlas to pull flight data it pulled the wrong data right. from the Atlas and therefore thought it was something like 12 hours into its mission or something like that when it was, in fact, only 15 minutes into its mission. Mm -hmm. And they're working through the, the data reviews and, and everything with that. But the main reason for going into the C-3PF today was to actually see that Starliner now that yeah. it is back. And it was an amazing thing to see. I love visiting flown spacecraft. It's my favorite thing. And it's also good to have another flown spacecraft back in the back. former OPF. Yeah, it's just nice to have space flown things at Kennedy again. I was reminded of my first visit to a flown capsule. Mm. was actually nearly five years ago this week. I visited the Orion spacecraft. We had just returned from EFT-1. What was it called? EFT-1. EFT-1, right? Engineering flight test. Yes. And that flew on a Delta IV Heavy. Engineering test flight or something like yeah. that. Exploration test flight, flight test. Exploration flight test. Exploration there we go. flight there test. We, go. we got there. <laughs> we'll explain why we have that correction here later. <sighs> but that had just flown on a Delta IV Heavy. It was December 2014. And I visited the spacecraft. I think two weeks later at Kennedy at the operations and checkout building. And it was my first time seeing a capsule that had flown to space in person. We got super close to it, just as close as we got today. We were yeah. pretty, I want to say three to four feet away. Boeing was really transparent about letting us walk around the vehicle 
and walk around the facility. Walk around the facility too, because mm. it's it's not just the OFT capsule that's bad, right? right? They have the Petabort capsule mm-hmm. that was in there as well. It was right next to the service module that will be used for the crew flight test. Which was incredible to see. So that was the most activity in that clean room. So this clean room had the the Starliner that will fly humans. Yes. It's sort of near the entry. Right. There was folks working on it. It was a busy, safe area, a clean room area. And like Chris said, there was two other areas where we had the abort one, and then we had orbital flight tests, the one that just returned. What was your initial reaction to sort of seeing the the recent Starliner come back? Or in the facility, because I, my first thing was, wow, it has a huge burn mark on it. Which, actually, that, actually yeah, that was yeah, mine too. Yeah. And it wasn't, oh, wow, it has a burn mark. It um, was, oh my God. Okay. So there's the re-entry yes, scar. Yes, that's the re-entry scar. <laughs> and, and Boeing officials actually sort of commented on that too, that it was completely by happenstance because they were telling us that they always... For the landing, right, all Mm -hmm. the cameras are always upwind of the spacecraft. So if there's a propellant leak, the TV personnel are not in any danger. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened the way the capsule oriented on the parachutes after they deployed that we were looking at the absolute pristine side of Starliner. But when you come around to the other side of Starliner, it has the reentry battle scars that we are Mm -hmm. very used to seeing on our spacecraft. So that was my first thought, coupled with the fact that it's now back in the C-3PF, meaning the former orbital processing facility, Bay 3, has mm. a flown spacecraft in it again. It actually marked the first time that all three of the former shuttle OPFs now have flown spacecraft it's incredible. inside of them being refurbished because... Mm. The OPF Bays 1 and 2 now house the X-37B military right. mini space shuttle. And that one returned just a couple months ago. Yes, it did. Yeah. And there are a few of them. Mm-hmm. There are at least two of there's them. There's at least two there that we know more. of. Right. Who yeah. knows? It's the Air Force. We uh, do know publicly <laughs> that there's two in there. We know publicly there yeah. are two. Mm. Yes. I'm sure there <laughs> we, are more. We don't know anything else, know we promise. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really cool to yeah. see because it's it's a very, it's not so much of a visual thing mm-hmm. because they, they are enclosed behind, you know, b- behind the doors and behind the walls mm-hmm. of the processing facility. So it's not as visual of a marker of KSC as a multi-user spaceport, but, you know, the Starliners are here. The X-37Bs are here. The Falcon 9s, the Falcon Heavies are here. It's a multi-user you know? spaceport. It, it yeah. is. You yeah. just don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a, it, that's what it made me and speaking remember of, as well, right. you know, walking into the, the facility today. And speaking of Delta Four Heavy, that's parked over there too. That's parked over the Delta, well, the <laughs> Delta the Cape Four side. Heavy's Cape side. It yeah. just actually did a wet dress rehearsal nice. um, <laughs> last week as well for its upcoming NRO mission mm-hmm. uh, for the National Reconnaissance Office later this year. So it's out there a little early. It's out there really early. Yeah, it's okay. It's but, fine. you know. <laughs> Maybe they'll secretly launch it. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. We were visiting the Starlink Falcon 9 a couple weeks or well, a week ago, and we saw the Delta Four Heavy. In the mm-hmm. and we're like, wow, it's you're out there really early yep. for your mission. So and you spoke about the Falcon Nine, which is out there. It's in the hangar, it's right, in the now, hangar right now, being yes. mated to Crew Dragon. Well, and I think we should mention that there are two complete Falcon 9 stacks yes. that are being mated to their respective payloads yep. right now. Mm-hmm. There is the Falcon 9 in the horizontal integration facility at 39A being mated to the Dragon and mm-hmm. the trunk of Dragon for the in-flight abort on that, Saturday. Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then there is another Falcon 9 
uh, and second stage Jeez. getting mated to the next round of 60 Starlink satellites over at the horizontal integration facility at pad 40. Because what we learned yesterday is that that Starlink mission is scheduled for two days after IFA. Monday. Monday. Yeah. IFA is on Saturday and Starlink bat- operational batch three is right now targeted for Monday. So we're in like a brave new world now of more launches that we can keep up with. Here we go. It's kind of crazy. I didn't apply for this one because there's so many. Uh, they're going to kill me for saying this. There's so many applications, but we I didn't sign up for this a one. Good be- problem. A good have. problem to have. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this one because like, oh, yeah, I'll cover IFA on Saturday and then I'll go back to New York, which I haven't seen in 25 days. So I, I'm excited that there are so much launches. I'm excited about the cadence. This is always what and we, we hung out with Jim Williams last week for the first Starlink Two was the first official space force mission. We hung Which out. We with, talked about. On we last talked week's about. Podcast. Right. Yeah. So we were with Jim and you know Jim Williams and the whole forty fifth. Their goal for this year is something like forty. There are forty eight planned launches on mm. the Eastern Range. Right. So they're off to a pretty busy start. Yeah. So uh, it seems like they could get near that number. Possibly they could. Yeah, they I mean, could. I I would personally doubt they'll get to it. Just because, yeah. And. and that's not anything against any of the organizations. No. It's just simply a space, the natural stretch <laughs> yeah. of, of, you know, something in January that's planned for December. Right. Unless it's a station mission or a government national reconnaissance office flight, there's a fairly good chance that that will end up slipping into 2021 and, and things like that. Yeah. And of course, one of those missions on the Eastern range is technically Artemis one mm-hmm. and the first flight of SLS and Orion and all of that. But as we've been, as we talked about last week, as as we publish on NASA Spaceflight, the the public facing no earlier than November mm-hmm. twenty twenty date for SLS and Artemis one. Everyone else you talk to is very much saying no, 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 no. It's spring of twenty twenty one. It's just not formally announced yet. So you know, who knows? There's yeah. that element of it. You know, so that's at least one we can take off of the this year, right? <laughs> so Bigger. speaking of, you know, we have. SpaceX is going to try to do this launch after IFA, but let's get into IFA a little bit here in flight abort. We've been waiting for this mission a while. It's a really critical step in the commercial crew program for both NASA and SpaceX and for the whole program in general. Obviously, last April 20th, there was an incident during a static fire at Landing Zone 1 where we did lose the DM-1 Dragon. Which was the Dragon capsule that was to originally have performed the in-flight abort. Exactly. So, which, which is part of why we had to wait a little bit yeah, longer yeah. for this one. Right. And just going off, I remember that first dragon was supposed to do the in-flight abort yes. test. So which dragon is this? So when that happened, mm. basically SpaceX took their entire production order of crew dragons mm-hmm. and shifted them all forward one mission from where they were originally assigned. Okay. So this one that will fly the in-flight abort mission Saturday mm-hmm was originally supposed to be the first one to actually carry crew on the Demo-2 crew test flight to the International Space Station. But because SpaceX made the decision in conjunction with NASA that the crew vehicles will only carry crew once, Mm -hmm. and they can be reconfigured for cargo if... They can be reused for cargo. Yes, that they'll only carry crew once. So that meant that the one that was supposed to fly the first quote-unquote regular regularly scheduled crew rotation flight mm-hmm. is now the demo two crew test vehicle and so on down the line. Right. So everything got moved to one yes. space. Okay. Now it opens up some cool things because mm-hmm. it means that demo two 
could technically be a long duration flight. Right. Because that dragon was already being designed for that. For a long duration. The original flight. demo too, which is now the in-flight aboard mm-hmm. one and done vehicle, wasn't. Right. So it opens up some possibilities on DM2, which NASA talked about in December as they are keeping that option open. For a long duration. And actually mission. what NASA mm-hmm. actually said was everything is ready to go on that front mm-hmm. to make demo two a long duration flight. It's just literally NASA needs to decide whether or not they want to actually do it. And that'll come after this mission. After that this that decision will come yeah. after this when the timeline to get to demo two, when they have a better idea of when that'll be. Now, it's important to remember for this in-flight abort mission, SpaceX will not be doing a landing. In fact, this booster of the booster, of the, booster the, the capsule right, will land. The capsule yeah. will uh, splash down yes. in the Atlantic Ocean. But before that, the Falcon 9, after separation, is expected to disassemble or crash into the ocean, right? Yes, a, I believe we're calling it a rapid scheduled disassembly on, on this one. It's going to break uh, up. <laughs> yeah, basically, where, basically so, and this actually gets into what the abort is going to be, mm-hmm. which I think we should overview as well. Yes, definitely. So, so basically, the Falcon 9 and Dragon will launch just like normal. Mm. Instead of rolling and pitching to the northeast to head out on a station inclination flight, mm-hmm. They will pitch and roll due east. Due east, right. And basically that is so they can get as far away from land as possible for the abort. It's not going to the station, so you don't need to launch into the orbital track of the station. And they will climb just like normal, just Mm -hmm. like they are doing a normal flight to the station. Mm -hmm. And 88 seconds into flight, there will be near simultaneous events that occur. Okay. The first will be the the Falcon 9 is programmed, the rocket is programmed to shut down its nine Merlin 1D engines on mm-hmm. the first stage to completely shut them down. That Dragon should then detect that there is a mission An event. failure yeah. event has occurred and a, and triggered the abort on its own sequence on its own right as it will have to do if it ever if there ever was an actual launch yeah. anomaly it would have to trigger this on its own so it's an automated it's abort system yep. that's the point of it the yes. automation part so within milliseconds of the nine merlin engines shutting down or, or beginning their shutdown sequence dragon mm-hmm. will detect that the separation pyrotechnics or systems will fire mm-hmm. and trigger and Dragon's Super Draco abort thrusters will fire for their full duration to pull Dragon and its trunk away from the top of the Falcon 9. At that moment, because the abort is triggered around max Q, which is the moment of maximum aerodynamic and mechanical stress on the rocket, mm-hmm. most difficult time period in the launch sequence to abort during. It's what the Orion ascent abort back in July it aborted at max Q right. specifically to test that ability as well. Mm-hmm. SpaceX is doing the same thing. So it is expected that the Falcon nine will be torn apart by the aerodynamic forces at that moment, because you will have a fully fueled second stage, mm-hmm. a depleted, a fuel depleting first stage, which right. should make it top heavy. Yes. And it doesn't have grid fins. It doesn't have landing legs or aerodynamic. It's control. an expendable Falcon nine. It, and, and it has no firing engines to keep it on track. Right. So basically what it should do is it should pitch to a point where it will go perpendicular to the aerodynamic slipstream and be ripped apart by the aerodynamic forces. Now, SpaceX has cautioned that there is a chance it's a low chance, but there's a chance that 
because of how things happen sometimes when you roll the dice, that it could survive that uh, <laughs> and still be in one piece. Yeah, what was it, CRS-16, con- where it kind of wobbled and then well, hit the they water? Well, very different aerodynamic yeah. conditions, but they do not expect it to survive, but right. there is a statistical chance that it could survive. It could. Right. And it would arc up. They do not plan to relight the engines. They mm-hmm. will not do that. So it would just, at that point, if it survives, arc up on its trajectory and slam into the ocean at terminal velocity and and, and explode. Explode. Upon impact. Either way, there will be recovery forces out there to pick up the debris yes. um, that that floats. And they're taking some safety precautions in the area, too. Yes. Playland beaches closed. will be closed. The Traffic max at the Maxborough bridge. bridge will be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, they are taking precautions to protect people. Um, if you're coming out for the mission Saturday morning, I would definitely leave far earlier than you're planning to. And maybe carpool as much as you can. There's going to be a heavy trap. I mean, we're not expecting it's the weekend. Yeah, it's Saturday morning, which means all the locals are going to be out. Yeah. All the students are, are off school. Everyone is there. Also, I'm not expecting Falcon heavy level traffic, but go ahead and, and well, but, but plan for but it. Plan for it because yeah. this is a big test. And it's a NASA and, mission and, and, and is, a SpaceX well, mission. And, and, and to be fair, too, this is one where we get to see a rocket disintegrate. Mm-hmm and break apart on purpose where that means the test has gone well. Yeah. We finally get to watch something blow up and then celebrate afterwards. Right. Yeah. So, (laughs) and and I think a lot of people are interested in seeing what that looks like. Everyone wants to see a show too. But we're also like, this is what happened with, I know for Ascent Abort is Mm -hmm. a lot of people showed up at seven o'clock in the morning when that one launched Mm -hmm. and myself and well, I mean, I would have been there no matter what, but my, myself included was, this is a moment to actually see the abort sequence in operation where your mm. first thought won't be, oh my God, I hope they're alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. This is a moment to see something you hope you will never, never actually have to, have to see in right. person. And, and for that reason, I think the turnout could be quite large for I it. mean, let's, from SpaceX's perspective, Saturday morning is the only time they ever want to do this. Yes, yes, <laughs> with, with, with a rocket, yeah. yeah, and with Dragon. But regardless of what happens to the booster in the immediate aftermath of Dragon's Super Draco's firing, Dragon in its trunk will, will fire away mm-hmm. and coast up to Apogee. So the, the abort will actually be triggered 21 kilometers in altitude, right. 3.1 kilometers downrange from the launch pad, mm-hmm. which means that people in Central Florida should get a very good view of it. The, the cloud cover does not look like it will be that bad right. at the Cape. Um, it's as sca- of it's right. scattered. and It's Wednesday at 4 p.m. we're recording this. Yes, so as of right now, yeah. And we are going off of the official 45th weather mm-hmm. squadron weather forecast, which says scattered cumulostratus clouds and a few cirrus clouds, which is very good because there are cloud cover rules that come into play with this one that don't come into play with normal missions because you, your ground tracking assets have to be able to see it clearly. Right. But anyway, regardless, Dragon will abort and coast up to Apogee. At Apogee or point of highest, the highest point in the arc, mm-hmm. it will separate from the trunk. Mm-hmm. Its thrusters will fire to reorient it for entry. And then the drogue parachutes will deploy, the four main parachutes will deploy, and Dragon will splash down in the Atlantic Ocean, 36 kilometers downrange from pad 39A. And that whole sequence from liftoff to splashdown should take just under nine minutes to complete. Amazing. Yeah. It's going to be a fun morning or a really depressing one, depending on how it goes. Well, it should be a fun morning. I mean, this is something that's been, they have planned for this, that, you know, it is a... 
It's a critical it, it test. It is the yeah. last critical and major test before hmm. it's the thing before, before the Falcon thing. nine is and mm-hmm. dragon are certified to start carrying crew members and there are two levels of certification mm-hmm. we mean first and foremost the certification for them to proceed to the demo to crude test flight right it's only after the demo to crude test flight that the whole system will be certified for for good they have to test it with humans right going forward but it's the last major test and there's a lot riding on it a lot yeah i know everyone's nervous it's a nerve-wracking thing and it is considering close and you can can feel that that closeness and chris and i are fresh off an oft still which was also nerve-wracking because you wanted that to go well (laughs) yeah you want you wanted them to succeed because that was another moment of like they're very close right you know and we want everyone to succeed yeah we need two providers moment yes we need two providers as taxpayers speaking as a taxpayer we want two providers yes we do but it is also important to point out that this is not a test that was mandated by the commercial crew program no the commercial crew program did not mandate two things Mm They did not mandate that either of the systems chosen fly first in an uncrewed test flight configuration. Right. And they did not mandate that either provider conduct an in-flight abort test. They said that they were that NASA, if they could submit a plan, if the two p- providers could submit the plans mm-hmm. and prove to them through computer modeling how everything was going to work, that an uncrewed test flight and an in-flight abort test flight was, Just not. was not a requirement. Both providers opted to include an uncrewed test flight. Smart. Yeah, but both providers chose not to follow in the footsteps of the shuttle program, which did not do an uncrewed test flight. Yeah. Um, but when you're operating a private company, there's a far more risk. There's there's different long term and yeah. exposure risk. The, 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 you know? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. But SpaceX was the only one of the two providers to opt to prove the abort system by actually flying by it. By flying it. Right. Yeah. Boeing has proven to validate it through software modeling Mm. and computer modeling of flight performance data. But within there, because this is what SpaceX put forward, just like Boeing put forward, you know, their plan for their uncrewed test flight. Right. This is part of the contractual obligation that must be met to fly crew. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's a very big test. It's why SpaceX couldn't say, last year well because of the capsule shuffling we'd like to get rid of ifa and prove it to you through modeling and and go straight to crew it's why they couldn't do that because it was part of the initial contract that was agreed upon so it's a huge flight in that regard right but technically optional (laughs) and just to quickly circle back to starliner i know some folks would have questions there was mission managers out there they were basically talking about refurbishment we did not get any information regarding what their next step will be well yes and no i mean in terms Um, of like are they going to launch humans yes. next or another flight? We don't have that info, yes. but we know what they're doing next. But we did get good information mm. that all of the post-flight data reviews internal, all mm. of the internal Boeing flight data reviews begin tomorrow. Right. So there wasn't anything to tell us today. Right. There was no, um, yeah. Today was a visit. What the data was showing, but but it was more of like what's next for this particular capsule, right? Which was cool to see. It was right? fun to because see. of how this capsule will be turned around, right? For Starliner, 
And to sort of wrap this up, and we'll have updates on Starliner when they do that mission stuff. So in a few weeks, Chris and I will be back talking about that. We basically, you know, we know what's happening for in-flight abort. Chris, let's talk about the culture for a minute. You know, your team is going to be there. Supercluster is going to be there. A lot of our friends are going to be here in town. People are shooting. I know Eric Kuna, our launch photographer, is shooting from the top of the VAB. And NSF people might be, will be up there too. Yeah, NSF mm. will have a representative mm. up there. I don't want to give away our live No, don't, don't, gi- don't give away anything uh, um, like that. But all, I, all I'll say is that mm. we have a pretty cool live stream. Yeah, and uh, yeah. We're, we're excited for your live stream. Yeah. It'll just be me and Eric for this mission. So Eric will be shooting atop the VAB. I will be at the press site with a camera for the first time with me for a year. I haven't done any photos so i'm going to be shooting from the press site dust well, off the rust yes yeah. and i'm um, looking forward to our friends ryan chalinski mary liz bender will be there for consider the cosmos chris said nasa space flight will be there i think our friend lauren grush from the verge is coming down from new york joy roulette's coming down from reuters so it'll be a, a really great crew covering this mission so make sure you're following all those channels as well we all do unique coverage which is what i love so we plan to enjoy on Saturday. Chris, before we wrap this episode, let's embarrass our friend, Chelsea Partridge, who is here in the room with us, who corrected here. Sit down on your own couch. <laughs> Sit down on your own couch. Come over here. Yeah. Oh, this is fine. Yeah. So uh, Hi, Chris and I made an error earlier. We were talking about <laughs> EFT1. We said the wrong name. Chelsea, what was it called again? It's Exploration Flight Test 1. And how do you know this information? <laughs> Because I'm a nerd. You're a nerd. And, and you because wor- I work on a ride. You work on a ride. <laughs> now, Chelsea is also the president of the space... Okay. Missile Space and Range Pioneers. You're yeah. good with the name. I today, served guys. as comms officer and I don't <laughs> know the name of the organization. A lot to remember. <laughs> I worked comms for her and I forgot the name. So anyway, Chelsea is a president and you're also a leader on, in our community and why we're at your house right now using it for this podcast. Thank you. We had the Supercluster party here also which was fun and awesome we will have you on the show when we're allowed to <laughs> at some point tell us one thing about artemis or ryan just so we say we talked about it on this episode say something emotional i get Chelsea, so emotional something. when i talk about it no, say something. It's, it's just such a cool thing to work on especially thinking about the fact that we're supposed to launch the next man and the first woman the first woman to the moon i mean is it going to be you? That is one of those. Is it going to be you? <laughs> no. Are you lying? <laughs> no. Because that'd be great for the podcast if you like became famous one day. Where we're like, oh yeah, we had the first woman on the moon here. Uh, maybe I'll be famous, but not for those reasons. But you want to go to Mars though. Oh, absolutely. Is that one of your driving reasons for helping on Orion? When I say no. help, I mean you're not volunteering. You work there, but. No, I I see a lot of people and that's totally cool to have the drive that their number one goal is to be an astronaut mm-hmm. and. As much as I would love that, that's not really my driving goal. My goal is to just do really cool engineering and have fun and contribute. But you wouldn't say no. You wouldn't say no. No, and I would definitely apply if I was qualified. It's a really exciting program. Are you excited that the first woman will walk on the moon soon with Artemis? Yes, that's an exciting. Absolutely, that's one of the coolest things. I mean, I work in the. Mm. IOZ, the operation. I mean, Orion. Company. I work on Orion every yeah. day. I see it all the time. You hear I think about yeah. it's going to carry a moment. We used to say the word Orion all the time for this program, but we say Artemis now. But the key component of Artemis is Orion. Is Orion. Is Orion. It's the Orion capsule. It's a human-rated capsule meant for deep space travel. And, and well, and we and we should know too that the the Orion capsule that will fly the Artemis One mission is currently at NASA's Plumbook facility, undergoing vacuum, vibration, thermal mm-hmm. testing, and making sure that it's 
ship shape. Thermal, thermal for, vacuum, yeah. Therm, yeah. Thermal, yeah, making sure it's ship shape for for its mission. And right. It's the same process that the Starliners went through, that the Dragons have gone through, and Orion is now inflow for that as See, well. See, we covered yeah, all the capsules today. We did all the yeah. capsules. <laughs> so thank you, space fans, for listening to another episode of Last Week in Space. Chris and I will be back hopefully late next week with another episode talking about the Great craziness. Time. A few launches. A few launches down our belt already. Next time you hear from us, thank you for tuning in again. Chris, thank you. Thank you.